0: Welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I am here with a returning guest with his new album. He came on with his single last time just in July. I'm going to refer you back to episode 252, and we are now on episode 271. So, uh, moving a little bit forward in time, about three months or so. And let's welcome him back to the show, Ivar SK. Ivar, how are you? Not too bad at all, Scott. Thanks for having me on, mate. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. It's my pleasure. I'm really excited. Uh, I, I love the album,
1: and I love that I think I got your name right this time. You've absolutely nailed it. Yes. You've got it. it. It's rare over here. It's, it's hard in an American accent. There's, I'll, I'll cut everyone a bit of slack, but oh, you've got it on the head there. Well, I think <laughs> the thing that's confusing is it sounds like an A,
0: but it's written with an O. And I think that's what throws people, at least if they're reading it anyway, that's what throws people off. So, like, if I if I hadn't met you already, you know, I get the information from your publicist. And I'm like, okay, Ivor, great. yeah, A name I'm yep. unfamiliar <laughs> with, but easy enough.
1: And then I'm wrong. <laughs> it's one of those ones that's not quite phonetic, So, it's, right. it is. it just throws you off a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Well, when you were on the show
0: last time, uh, we talked about the potential for this album, uh, Mississippi Bound, coming out. And, uh, and I thought, I knew you were going to make it happen. I didn't know how long it was going to take because, of course, everything's different now. We're still in the wake of not being 100%. In the, in, I still think that there's a, a pandemic going on. It seems like the numbers are kind of up and down. Some people seem to think that it's been over for a while. I'm just going to err on the side of caution and not die
1: yeah so it's no,
0: kind of, I, amen to that amen i'm with you man. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of my strategy but you had been working on these songs since really about the beginning of the pandemic and are just you know now coming to the point where it all came together exactly
1: yeah it's it really was once the pandemic hit around that that year anyway 2020 i had the plan to get recording anyway mm-hmm. so the pandemic was just a little bit of a like a nanny coming in and saying okay come on it's time to start now so it was nice to have all that free time and it was really wrapped up by mid 2021 even mixing and mastering so i would probably finished recording it early 2021 mm-hmm. and then it's just been getting it you know the timing right for the release even since we spoke last with the single i've had to wait usually almost like four or five weeks longer for cd production than usual just because of you know, everyone's having shortages with uh, supplies, so mm-hmm. um, it has been. It's a definitely a new universe to be in, but um, yeah, it's it's been really nice to just to nearly have it out. It releases in about seven hours down here, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Hey, and uh, so this episode's actually
0: going to air on Sunday, so it will be out, and I'll have the links for you guys in the show notes, um, just to get around the YouTube algorithm. If you're watching the YouTube version, which is going to be more interesting than just staring at my logo on the on the podcast <laughs> app. Uh, There will be no audio clips in this because of the YouTube algorithm and copyright violation and all that, uh, which even when you submit a lot of times, they're still like, yeah, you can't do this. So uh, if you're listening to the audio version, you'll get the clips. But even in the YouTube version, you've got links to it and you can just go right to you know whatever your source is, whether it's Apple uh, Music or whatever, and you can be able to listen to the clips. You can buy it right now because it's available and you should because it's a great album. Uh, we're going to actually do a kind of like a song by song on it, which I'm really excited about to hear the background on some of these. Um, but I've got to say, just just to start off from, and you know, and you know I'm an audio engineer and a picky one at that, uh, from a production standpoint... Acoustic guitars are probably the most difficult instrument, Uh, apart from some orchestral instruments, like flutes can be really super tough to to EQ. But I think to capture an acoustic guitar with real clarity is one of the most difficult things that an audio engineer has to deal with. But you, like I said
1: on the single, you've nailed it. It uh, Thank you for saying I really appreciate it. And it is, I think... I got incredibly lucky, I do have to say that. I Even my first album, my very first album, I just used an SM57 pressed up against about six inches from the sound hole of the acoustic and I thought it was going to sound horrific and it sounded, I could not believe the sound when I heard it back. So I've been very lucky with mic and acoustic guitar pairings because I know like you've been saying, I know engineers who go through hours of pairing different mics, different angles with acoustics just to start to get the sound that they'd like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got very lucky um, with this album. I had a tailor, kind of almost a three-quarter size tailor. So it has quite a punchy mid-range. Mm-hmm. And I have an AT4044 mic, an Audio Technica, um, a mid-diaphragm mic, and it's... Uh, condenser mic and it's just been beautiful to pair with that you can almost almost doesn't matter where you put it you get a beautiful sound depending on what you're going for Mm -hmm. and then I've also been fortunate that I I really just use my fingers with the acoustic occasionally I'll break the pick out for little parts here or there Mm -hmm. but uh, I think I've definitely found since I've dropped the pick particularly since moving to New Orleans and it's more finger style um, the mics have been a lot more responsive to it with the acoustic. They pick up a lot more dynamics and a, a bit more of a, uh, a rolled-off sound just using the pads of your fingers on the acoustic. To...
0: Well, and it makes sense because you're not burying the sound of the note in the attack of the pick because you don't hear, you hear the strum of the string when you use your finger as opposed to the pick scraping or, or plucking the string. Uh, you're not taking up space with that hard attack and you're getting a much more warm sound out of the
1: guitar because you're not burying it. Absolutely, and that's it. And that's another great thing about it too. When your fingers hit the strings and you start to get used to it, it feels like you have more dynamic control within yourself too. It feels like with the pick, you're going through the plastic, and you obviously get to feel a certain amount, and you can pick harder, pick softer, but it feels like you've got all these other notches. I've got sort of... Okay, I'm using my thumb here, I can hit it this hard, I can pop the string off if I need it, I can stroke the string down a little bit more and get a softer brushing sound. So it feels like you've got a little bit more weapons in the arsenal with your fingers too, which is lovely. I
0: could, I could understand that. Uh, do you feel a little bit more one with your instrument when you play it that way, when you don't have that separation of the
1: pick? Without question. I mean, up until 26, 27, I couldn't really play a guitar if I didn't have a pick. It was I was all at sea. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my fingers started to come off the guitar when I still had a pick. I was trying to copy saxophone players' solos. And because they've got that octave key, fingers used to start gripping some of the higher treble strings to get that octave happening um but i've certainly found that since i've dropped the pick entirely not even just for solo stuff but for picking chords you have this entirely dynamic range and it does feel like it's more of an extension of what you're getting in your head um like uh, i guess jeff beck was one of my biggest influences as a guitar player Mm -hmm. and to see a guy who was that good and that musical who used to come out or still does probably taps his hand in a big bowl of talcum powder, like he's in the Olympics weightlifting and then comes out and plays just with his fingers all night. And you just thought, I can, I can see why now it, I, you must have all this feel and dynamic range after 40, 50 years with just your hands.
0: Right. I, and now I'm not a guitar player. I, well, I'm a terrible guitar player. I'll put it that way. Uh, I can record something from time to time if I really need to, But uh, I'm more of a bass player and I started in the opposite direction. I started playing finger style and I find it more difficult to play with a pick because I'm so used to playing finger style. But most of the stuff I write is more ambient. So I I prefer that anyway. I'm getting kind of that same effect that you are with your acoustic. But when I go to play something with maybe rock and roll, I want that harder edge And I find it so much more difficult to play uh, because picking style is so different from finger style. It's, it's that back and forth sweep, but it's the timing of
1: it. The rhythm feels different, even though it's the same tempo. Absolutely. And I've always felt that with bass too. I mean, I play bass on my albums, although I'm very rudimentary, Mm -hmm. but I mean, you'd know far better than I would. It's also just harder. If you're doing down and up picking or 16th picking on a, a guitar, and then you try and do it on a bass, you've really got to, I mean, it's like an acoustic instrument. You're really pulling the sound out of a bass guitar with a pick. It's it's, um, it's serious work with a pick, no question.
0: Yeah, that, that those thicker strings really do make a huge difference. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you, because I, I had a feeling that you had done the bass on this, but uh, are you using an upright for some of
1: it? So it's funny, I've got a uh, basically a three-quarter size Ibanez acoustic bass guitar. Okay. Um, And so it is, it's basically acoustic for two of the songs. I messed around with playing upright, but I just couldn't nail it enough to do a take with it. Mm -hmm. But I think in the future I might, because I've always been a pick player with bass. In the past I just played electric bass and it was huge and the only way I could really get what I needed done was with a pick. But having this smaller acoustic bass, I do want to start messing around with fingers mm-hmm. just because you could, you really do, it feels like you can really pull a sound out of a bass. You see those, the double bass players, really the technique where they, the sound goes with their hands. So um, I would certainly like to maybe mess around with some upright stuff, but no, it is an acoustic bass on the album. You know? Okay. Well, it has
0: that, that, that acoustic sound to it. I, I, it was, it, some of it's played with like the upright um, style. So I I was wondering if that's how you did it. But I I could kind of describe the difference between a guitar and a bass like this, going along with what you're saying. A guitar is almost like, hey, I can make sounds. Help me make sounds. And a bass is like, if you want it, you got to come and get
1: it. (laughs) Yeah, it's very true. Yeah. No one can sort of phone in a bass performance. (sighs) You can get some great pedals on a guitar, plug it into a great amp and have a great sound. And you can get some interesting stuff no one can turn up sort of you know half asleep to a gig and play bass and pull it off i mean you yeah. drummers and bass players are whole they really are holding the whole house together for everyone else yeah.
0: absolutely i've always considered them sort of the foundation of, of the song and then everything else is the walls and the doors and the sink and all of that uh yeah, it, it is. It is a very interesting difference. And especially if you're playing both instruments and you're jumping from one to another, like having to just adjust your playing to be able to cover all those things is uh, is quite a skill in itself. Did you find that your skills grew while
1: you were doing this one? Absolutely. Um, particularly in the past, like I said, I would played with larger electric basses. Mm-hmm. To have a smaller acoustic bass it suddenly let me expand a little bit more on bass lines and do things I I just physically wouldn't have been able to do previously with the electric bass so I think the bass lines certainly went to places I couldn't have previously taken them. Yeah. Um, and also yes yeah, I'm just the, the the rhythm guitar playing I think I'd I'd played so much fingerstyle acoustic for so many years that when I did pick up the electric guitar and I played a pick um that kind of had taken on a kind of a new rhythmic sensibility from the years of playing with my fingers. You can start to pick it up a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And I think listening to the piano players down here too, really inform some of the rhythm playing in your hands with the guitar because it's just, it's so funky. Nothing's on the beat. Nothing drops on the one. It's all on the E's or the ands Mm -hmm. of a bar. It's it's just, it's very syncopated. So I think that too, that's certainly um that's been a, a big learning curve between my last album i think there's a lot more rhythmic sensibility going on yeah i could i could see that you know listening to these songs i could definitely see that
0: it is a very rhythmic album regardless of the tempo i mean you've got some a little faster but mostly like mid tempo and a couple of slower ones and uh it, but even with the slower ones like you really feel that pulse it almost brings it out more and that might be a combination of just the bass in the mix. And some of those have like a, a, a bass drum sound. I don't know if you're actually using a bass drum. We'll get to that. But uh, you you definitely feel the pulse in each and every sound. But I think isn't that also kind of a combination of uh, just the structure of the song, but also the way that you play the guitar, because you'll you'll strum and then you'll almost do like a um, a
1: percussive hit where you stop the strings while you're strumming them. Absolutely, it was a um, a big part of uh, learning fingerstyle guitar. Was you have just constant pulse going with your thumb, mm-hmm. one, two, three, four, and then you start to bring in triplets or whatever it might be over the top. But that pulse that runs through everything is basic, almost underlies every song I play live. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like it's like it's your own drama you kind of need a drummer and your thumbs the closest thing you've got so that's your rhythm section holding it and you're absolutely right it gives you this um the chords have a snap to them because they'll respond to just this pulse underneath it gives you space to to really build i guess again going back to the piano thing it's almost like a rudimentary piano where you've got a band at your fingertips and you're trying to make it a a drummer a bass player and a rhythm guitar player in within one hand if you like so yeah that that pulse is part of it for sure yeah absolutely i do i do
0: find it interesting that the bass uh was very subtle it's i don't think there's a single song except for maybe the last one uh where it was really up front but you still even with that subtlety you still feel it it's still very much a part of the song was that something that was intentional or did it just kind of come together in the mix that way?
1: It was because I've got, like I was saying, I have that pulse that runs through. There's always quite a, a dominant bass part coming from the acoustic guitar. Yeah. So you're always, I was a little bit worried that I'd be, if it, the bass would be stepping on each other's toes and it wouldn't quite work. Mm-hmm. So I used, particularly for a few of the tracks, I'd just get the acoustic guitar and the bass part. And you just worked them as best you could, so they weren't stepping on each other's toes, and it sort of worked. Mm. Um, but I, a lot of credit does have to go to Zev, who uh, mixed the album, because we talked about it a little bit, and it was—it just—it sits there just right. I think if we would pushed it too much further forward, it may just have muddied up things with the the bass end of the acoustic guitar. Right. But no, so I did. Yeah, no, it's very cool. You picked that up because it was it was one of those things if it had been too much it might have just dragged things down a little bit too much
0: yeah and i mean there's there's a certain amount of things that you can do with panning you know helping with the the separation of the instruments but there's there's a, still that clash of so many low frequencies that are going to be split between your ears and and then that center in every spot in between um this is me demonstrating spots in your ears <laughs> 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 so so it does become a challenge and you're absolutely right, because this is a style of music where you do get a good bass out of the guitar, even if you're not necessarily playing lower frequency
1: notes, it still comes out just by the style itself. Exactly. And I was it was one of those things with this album that I hadn't necessarily done with the previous ones is I wanted to start with the bass of how I would play it live. Mm-hmm that if I can't really sustain these 15 so- or whatever songs are going to be on the album live, I'll wait until I can get them that way. So almost every song has basically a complete acoustic guitar part within it that can stand by itself. Mm-hmm. So you're absolutely right. Once that's there, you've really got to be careful about how the bass comes in. Um, although I did, I guess I had that advantage because they have been bumping around in my head for so long as complete songs with little bass parts in the acoustic guitar Mm. i guess your brain had had long enough to maybe figure out well there's a hole here if i play up here i won't be stepping on the the acoustic guitar too much so over time i think that was probably again the the blessing of having all that time to record the album was you could sort of go that bass part's too busy i could pull that out because the acoustic guitar parts carrying everything that need be there
0: yeah, and it's interesting nowadays too because it seems like a lot of musicians and and bands too that they uh, they write the song and then they go ahead and record it right away and then they pick which songs they're going to do live and then they have to learn the songs that they just wrote so that they can go out and perform them and I think about you know bands I've been in you know trying to get a record deal or trying to get a recording done and it's like we know those songs so well we barely even need to think about them when we're
1: playing them. It's not like that anymore. It's write, record, go, constantly. It's unbelievable. I mean, even down in New Orleans, hearing about recording sessions, and I'm assuming there'll be weeks of rehearsals, we'll tighten up the arrangements, we'll do everything. People are getting sent rough demos two nights before the recording session. (laughs) You're in there, you may get 45 minutes to have some run-throughs together, and it's straight in. So you're absolutely right. The modern era has changed that uh, that time where it's like the back of your hand and you're almost sick of it by the time you're going in there to record. It seems to be gone now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and I I guess there are some advantages because it is fresh. It's still exciting to play. um, But then there's like, well, we're recording this, so I have to be perfect. But then, no, you don't, because you can even with drummers now we can overlay tracks. They can pick and choose. They can you know comp different tracks together to make a final track you don't even need to be that good anymore to turn out a great product and I think that's a shame I do love that it's going to be fresh when you record it I think there's going to be probably a better energy in it but I I start to question everything I hear going is this really a performance or is this something that was kind of cobbled together
1: it's it's funny, I've sat in studios where that exact thing's happened The drummers nailed one of the verses, the groove's fantastic And they've just copied and pasted that groove for the first verse Into the second and the third Because the other ones weren't quite as good And for that exact reason, there was no warm-up You were running out of time in the studio And they've just copied and pasted it But you're exactly right it's, um, It is a shame because, like you said, that fire's important there's no doubt the fire in the first few takes, yeah. but it, it's something about the, like the humanness of recording. Like I remember when I used, I used to teach uh, honky tonk woman quite a bit mm. and that starts at about 90 beats per minute and ends up at 130 beats per minute. And you just love that because, you know, it's been a take. There's yeah. been no. Punching in, there's nothing like that's happened. They've caught a moment, and everyone nailed their part for the time. And yeah, yeah, it is sort of disappearing a bit, isn't it? Sure.
0: And when I go back and I listen to music from the '70s, a lot of it is so imperfect. It's so human. Even when they're supposed to be going dent 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 dent, like they're not together. And I love that. And now it's like, no, 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 you got to fix that. Everything's got to be together. We have to take all the humanity out of it and just make it so it's technically perfect. I want human. I I want a little bit of, you know, let me hear the bass a a, a split second after the drum hit. You know, let me give me something that shows me that people recorded
1: this live. I couldn't agree more. Like, I love Motown stuff. And I love that they'll have a tambourine player, a maracas player, a cowbell, a drummer, and there'll be those sharp soul hits. Mm -hmm. But it's no one's ever right in line. But it's that that funkiness that just makes it so addictive to listen to. You know, it was a real moment in time. And, and it's funny because those people were doing the same thing. They were throwing
0: songs together as, as quick as you possibly could in recording them. And they still had that, you know, that humanity to them. And, uh, of course, everything was analog back then. They didn't have the ability to do what we do now. Uh, I love Motown. That's one of my genres uh, that I, I go back to quite a bit. And I just find so much authenticity there, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even though, you know, they're like, well, we need to put this hook in it to me. Like it was strategized. A lot of it was, but it's still in the performances. You
1: feel a lot of it is really natural. It's just, um, I mean, we're hearing stories all the time about it. of The guys, the Funk Brothers, and they'd be playing at a club in Detroit. They'd get a call early in the morning and James Jamison would have had so much to drink. He can't sit up in his chair, so they're laying him down on the floor, <laughs> and he's pulling off these bass parts, sort of sort of 17 vodkas into the nine. Right. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable they could get him to play that well in those situations like that. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Well, speaking of playing, uh, now it wasn't that long ago that we
0: spoke, but things were kind of starting to open up a little bit in Nashville. Where are Where are things at now
1: for performance? So, it's everything's kind of back to normal um i've been booking an australian tour too um and everywhere's booked up solid wow it just seems everywhere in the world now as far as i can tell anyway it's just sort of open again the streets are flowing with music there's even clubs opening up that didn't have music before that are having music now at like brunch times and things like that so that's um yeah it's been very cool
0: yeah uh now, um, I I know that here uh, we have a lot of stuff going on, but it seems like international tours, like bands coming over from from Europe and stuff is still a bit of a, a snag. We have a lot of people here, but we have a lot of American bands or, or smaller bands that are coming over and touring. Um, but it, we haven't quite hit that, you know, A-list or international bands coming over just just yet. I think we're going to get there soon. I think maybe earlier next year or so, but you're going back to Australia.
1: Are you going to get to play the, the, what was it? The box guitar festival. I, I it's going to be, uh, sorry, back home in new Orleans on, uh, January 18th to 21st, I believe it is this year. So that'll be back home in new Orleans, but I'll be, um, heading over to Australia in early November and doing a six week tour, uh, back home there, which will be, um, which will be very nice, and that's where life sort of opened up. I'd obviously have a passport, so life's a little bit easier. I don't have to go through the visa or the performance visa hurdles, which are even worse, no matter where it appears oh. to be. So I have been able to get back in relatively easy to Australia, Um so that's been nice. And then, yes, I'll be back in uh for the Cigar Box Festival in New Orleans in mid-January, which I'm really looking forward to because that got cancelled last year, so... Mm-hmm. As the fingers crossed, if the world stays sane until January, we'll be doing the Cigar Box Festival. Yeah, well, fingers
0: crossed. I mean, the last thing we need is some kind of resurgence or something. It seems like we're heading in a a milding effect. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll just keep going. I think Christmas will be probably the next big uh, event because that's when, you know, again, when people really get together and families get together and spend long periods of time uh, so, uh, I think if there's a potential for anything, it would be then, but hopefully, you know, we've gone long enough and it seems like it's kind of petered off. So maybe between the distancing and the variations and all that, we're, we're getting past it. Now it's everything else recovering, you know, like we're, we're nowhere near back to where we were here in Las Vegas. Um, but I'm, I'm really glad to hear that new Orleans is thriving. I mean, if you've got clubs that are now kind of expanding instead of just saying, well, here's the model we have
1: they're they're actually going a little bit more that's that's a little more inspiring absolutely and it's been great new orleans is such a festival heavy town there'll be a poor boy festival or a fried chicken festival this weekend or mm-hmm. that weekend and so it's been so strange not to have that for 2 years but that's yeah. that's back to normal and they'll always have a, at least one stage of music if not more so that's come back in full swing this year too which has been really lovely to see um, So I guess it is too, um, there's that, that high, that lift off of when life goes back to normal, but can clubs keep sustaining it having had that two-year hole? So yeah. hopefully there's not some dropouts over the next year or two because it just does get too difficult. But yeah, at the moment things are... You could be forgiven for thinking there hadn't really been a pandemic in *Some Nights in Town* now,
0: right? And and you know it must have been weird though to walk the streets of New Orleans even late at night and not hearing some jazz band playing a funeral dirge as you're walking through the streets.
1: (laughs) I went to the French Quarter in like the second or third month of the pandemic. A friend and I drove down, and it was absolute ghost town we walked the streets of the french quarter by ourselves for an hour and it was just that sort of thing you'd at least hear music on the streets Mm -hmm. the the funeral dirges or the buskers nothing coming out of the clubs it was yeah vaguely armageddon-ish like you like you're on a movie set or something of a horror movie yeah
0: yeah i told all my friends that that are in film i'm like get out there and get footage because you're not going to get this chance again whether it's you know drone footage or just like go out and and, you know do something commando and and get some footage of empty freeways in la and you know stuff that you are probably never going to see again in your lifetime now's the time there's some
1: serious archival work being done in the last couple of years. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, let's let's get into this album. It's called Mississippi Bound. Like I said, it is out now. I've got the links in the show notes for you guys. Uh, the opening track is is the title of the album, Mississippi Bound. You knew when we talked a few months ago, you knew what the album title was going to be, but you picked the state that is probably most difficult to pronounce and spell for most people. You didn't say Utah bound, which would have been a little easier. Uh, it, what, what was it about Mississippi that kind of drew you into that
1: that state in that thought process? Um, particularly moving to New Orleans from Australia as a blues musician, you're always hyper aware that you've got the Delta up there. You've got Clarksdale and all these little towns that are huge on blues tourism for being where Robert Johnson sold his soul to the devil and all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I came to uh, America for the first time and got to spend time in Louisiana, it was one of the first trips we'd make, um, Mississippi State has put all these little markers up in infamous blues spots where Muddy Waters used to live or mm. Robert Johnson was born and all of this. So we used to go to Mississippi all the time. I just fell in love with it. And it kind of was the initial inspiration for playing acoustic guitar, sort of dropping electric and, and going into the Delta styles was all the trips. So I've been making fairly regular trips there. Mm. And then when I moved here permanently, I um, used to go over there and work. I still go over and work Mississippi once a month and play a few gigs over there. Oh, good. Um, so I just fell in love with going over there, particularly because I grew up on the coast in Sydney, and right next door we've got the Mississippi coast. So you can sort of play some blues and dip your sands in the water, and mm-hmm. it's kind of it's nice to uh, to head over to Mississippi and get those flavors. So it was just one of those tunes; that it wrote itself in about. I don't know, five or 10 minutes, the melody was there and it was all sort of there. And it just, it was literally what we used to do, just head over to Mississippi and get out of Dodge for a few days, enjoy the sun and the sand. It's
0: interesting that you say that because the very first note I have on this song is that it's a great travel song. Like this is a song I can see you just getting (laughs) in the car and hitting the highway or getting in a boat and going down the river and, and not really thinking about anything, just enjoying that moment and being
1: immersed in it. Uh, that's exactly it and that's what i kind of that was definitely the vibe i was going for just hitting the road having a good time yeah um i I mean it's i guess it's a departure from the album in that it's almost a scar track i guess if it's if it's genetics come from anywhere it's a bit of a reggae thing to it yeah and it started life as an r&b tune i really want a kind of a fats domino um 50s rock and roll earl palmer snare drum groove sort of thing Mm -hmm. um but i think it was that driving to mississippi and then you get to the beach and there's palm trees and a sea breeze and it just it took on a little bit of a scar thing particularly with the connection between scar and rock and roll Mm -hmm. it's also um it's also closely related that's um The scar thing just took over, I think, because of that road trip vibe. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, and that's that's one of my favorite moments. When I drive out to LA to go to the NAMM show, Uh, I go out. Typically, I go out a day early and I hit Newport Beach, and that from just the first time, I can look over to the right and see that first little crack in the you know of air where I can see the ocean. That moment, and I'm still a good 20 minutes away from parking, but that moment is just worth the rest of the drive worth being tired and and all that you know because you know where you're about to be and to connect with the elements of the earth and all those good things uh you grew up surfing so you're i mean that's kind of your world uh but for me i get that once a year and man that's that's paradise to me
1: yeah it is. there's something magical about i don't know what comes off the ocean but it's yeah it's worth a lot yeah
0: uh, I also pointed out too that in, in this song, or, or wrote a note that the snare is really tight on this. Like it's not, it's not so poppy that it, it cracks your eardrum, but it is a really tight for a gentle sound of a snare because it doesn't sound like it's
1: being hit that hard, but it's really tight on the head. It is, yes. I, I very cool you picked that up. I um I did study sort of ska drums particularly from the 50s i guess the heyday the beginning of it all Mm -hmm. but right through the 70s 80s and uh horseman a famous dub drummer from the uk who's or jamaican but lives in the uk um and it was it was one of those things there was a theme that you picked up on they were almost like very very melodic snare drums Mm -hmm. very highly pitched very highly tuned Um, and a a lot of the time it was with the toms too it was almost Mm. very almost xylophone-esque you'd hear them hit down the kid on a like a reggae kid or a ska drummer Mm. and it was very musical so yeah it was one of those things that just sort of fit the vibe of the song and um sort of i guess it was i I tried to do my own thing with it and incorporate a little bit of r&b but i definitely wanted to Show a little bit of respect, I suppose, to the uh, the old ska techniques, too.
0: Oh, sure. And, and it really fits almost like the New Orleans vibe, too, because when you listen to those drummers in the jazz bands, their snares are almost as tight as like a marching band.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. With all the rolls they do, and it's all... I almost get that chatter going it's almost like hearing a conversation when they do snare drum solos yeah. it's, it's, it's very funky
0: to hear and they really utilize the head all the way up to the rim to get that like you were saying the melodic side of things because most drummers you know especially in like rock or or pop they will uh they will hit more towards the center of the head where we have that extra pad of, of coating to make the head last longer uh but but yeah they really roll right up to the edge which deadens the sound the closer you get to the edge the deader it is because you don't you're not hitting, you know, the open air, you're hitting more where it's tightened down. Uh, So yeah, that was one thing I picked up on very quickly was how tight that was. And I thought that really lends an interesting sound to this song because I would not have thought we should do that on this, but I'm so glad you did.
1: Yeah, it was one of those things. I did play around with a few different snare sounds, Mm -hmm. but it's funny, isn't it? Every now and then you just pick a, a particular drum sound or whatever it might be and it just, even in isolation, you might think, no there's no way, and then you throw it into the pot with everything else and it just fits like a glove and it was one of those moments yeah well, that's
0: why they say too that that you should never eQ an instrument by itself because it doesn't matter how it sounds by itself. what matters is how it sounds with the mix of the song so if you if you took one of your acoustic guitars right or your bass and you you you're like, you know what it's just too muddy, I need to put some gain on it or I need to put some high-end EQ on it maybe you know do a high high shelf or or a low shelf or something and you're like okay now it sounds perfect and then you put it in the song and it sounds like crap because it doesn't
1: work with the rest of the instruments now <laughs> and i can't tell you how many times i did that in the early days of recording particularly as a guitar player playing electric you get so hung up on guitar sounds and tone and thinking oh this is rubbish and you spend all this time and then you throw it into the song you're like, Oh, it doesn't work at all. So I'm back to the drawing board again. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When I when I started to
0: learn mixing, it was live. So I kind of had the advantage of you just have to make it sound good while the band's doing a sound check. So when I when I started doing like studio recording, I started to switch to that and and basically just was told, no, <laughs> don't do that. So I, I do it on the occasion. If something sounds wrong. And I'm like, there's something about this tone I don't like. I might solo it and and just kind of play with it a little bit. But I try not to go too far off of that mark because for that same reason, I don't want it to just... Why does this one instrument sound so clean when everything else has a little bit of a tone to
1: it? That's you know? yeah. It is funny you mention that too because that is very true. I have seen those experienced engineers who can just tweak things in an instrument by themselves just by sheer ear experience Mm -hmm. i've been in this situation so many times i know which frequencies are doing what and i can i'll just tweak this ever so slightly so it slips in a little bit easier so that's Mm -hmm. very true too
0: yeah it's it's a combination of experience and knowing your gear you know, because the way that you work with your gear, you can find those frequencies a lot easier than if you jump on a different mixing board. I mean, they're the same frequencies, but you're listening through different speakers. You're, you know, you're not as familiar with where to go for everything. They might be using a different compressor. Um, it's it's really yeah, it's, it's an interesting combination of skills for sure.
2: I don't roll, I don't roll no more. I don't roll, I don't roll no more. I don't roll, said I don't roll, I don't roll no more. Uh,
0: our second song up on the album is called uh, I Don't Roll. I I love the twangy feeling of this song. It just, it, it feels...
1: It feels almost like old school country, even though I wouldn't define it as country. It's funny you say that because I was, I I really pictured it almost as like a Stonesy acoustic song in a way, at at its very germination anyway, that's how it was in my head. Um, But as soon as I put the bottleneck sound in, it just took on that Southern lilt, that country folk. Americana-ish kind of thing as soon, particularly with that bottleneck slide in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was there's another song that just sort of wrote itself in about five or ten minutes. At least the melody did. It was all there very quickly. It was for a song that I really pictured as a kind of a stonesy, rootsy tune, and then even has elements of trad jazz or soul in there with some of the uh, some of the uh, progressions. It's, I think that is, it's It's kind of got a stripped back folk country feel to it, which has been very cool. That's all, I, one of my favorite things. You can write a song with all these ideas in mind, particularly when it's just in your head and then you start to get it out and it it sort of does its own thing. Well, that's a good idea, but I'm going to do this and it, it's gonna do its own thing. So I won't argue with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and <laughs> as, as minimal
0: instrumentation as you used on this album, I mean, you've got a little bit of percussion, but like we said, the bass is subtle. You don't have a lot of tracks. You don't have a keyboard on every track or a piano on every track. It's it's very minimal, um, mostly acoustic guitar and, and a couple of variations of different kinds of guitars. But the album on the whole still sounds very rich and full. I don't feel like It was recorded, you know, in your basement. I don't feel like it it needed more. I mean, it really delivers itself
1: on a complete sound and a complete level. Well, thanks. I really appreciate it because it is. It's it's certainly one of your worries, I think, when you're doing an album and you're looking at the parts and you know it's going to be that stripped back and you sort of think, hopefully it holds up or this track will hold up by itself. And it probably is. I think, like I said earlier, because I had at least the basics of how we perform it solo or the solo arrangement for playing it live mm-hmm. i think having that bedrock there just kind of gave me a lot more to work through a lot more confidence anyway to think well if it will stand up live like this then if i do not i don't have to do too much to it or throw too much in and get too heavy i think we talked about it with sweet and low last summer yeah. spoke to you mm-hmm. where that was a band track that was like a almost as easy top inspired pumping texas mm. rock thing and not that that doesn't work and I, I can still listen to it like that but when you took that back and you thought no look the acoustic guitar is doing just fine as it is yeah a little bit of this and that and it'll work as is yeah
0: well don't worry some some band will come along and cover it and do a rock and roll version of it and then you'll get like uh, weird al doing a version of it and <laughs> that yeah. would be yeah that would be an honor if the weird, weird al can do it every like yeah would that be like the ultimate compliment for an artist is for a weird <laughs> al to go i want to redo that song you know absolutely yeah that, i could that, not agree more to me too the whole album and, and i i kind of uh just put it in terms of like being in mississippi and i've never been there but just from what i've seen of it um i just kind of picture a bunch of people like maybe a family get together or some friends come over you barbecue you have some beers you bust out the instruments you're you're all sitting there on the porch everybody's got their chair you know maybe one of the guitar players standing up and you're all just playing having fun maybe you're watching the boats go by on the river but it, it's a just a very casual relaxed feel and i i don't feel like it was like it it doesn't feel like it was stressful when it was being recorded. It just feels very natural. And that goes back to that human side of it that I love so much.
1: Absolutely. It's, it's funny you say that I went and played the uh, Mississippi songwriters festival last month over in ocean Springs in Mississippi. And at the end of uh, the shows at the end of the night, all the musicians went back to the main hotel and we just had this big circle of chairs and everyone sat down with a guitar and everyone stood up and swapped songs oh. all night. And it was just a, a kind of a real traditional thing they always do there and you do hear about it up in the delta too in mississippi you've got the juke joints you've got the falling down clubs mm-hmm. but they say the real juke joint is like sunday afternoon at this guy's house we all go around there's a cook up the chairs get put in the circle and it just becomes a big jam so yeah. Absolutely, it's it's definitely been influenced by that sort of atmosphere, unquestioning. Yeah,
0: yeah, I I can definitely feel that within you know the songs here. So well done on that. I think that gives it just a fantastic atmosphere. Uh-huh. Our next song up is called get up and when i first started listening to this i found the opening and the pacing just really intriguing it was something that you know while i was listening to this album i tend to to try at least the first couple times i i listen i try to really not be doing other things sometimes i have to and i started to to make notes about something and i just stopped and i went let me hear that again It just has a really unique feel to it that really drew me in in the first couple measures.
1: It's probably, if I had to pick one, it's probably my favorite song on the album. And I think because of that, it's it's hard to describe the feel. It's kind of a slinky groove. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit different. There's time changes within there too. It goes to double time in the song and then at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was... Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite tunes to do. A lot of the percussion, I didn't want to use traditional percussion too much. So, um, my manager actually found this, I don't even know what it is, this huge drum. It's not properly tuned. You can't really tune it. It was at like a kind of a $2 store somewhere. And we, so, and that's the bass drum on the album. I, I didn't have any mallets, so I got some drumsticks and held them at the uh, pointy end so to speak and just wrapped tissue paper on the end to get like a mallet-esque mm. sound so that's the bass drum there's no hi-hat I just laid a bit of uh, tissue paper across the edge of a bookshelf and played my drumsticks on that mm. so it almost started as like this rhythmic build-up and you got this slinky kind of groove going on and it just let the from that point on it was so easy to write and record over the top of that because it it was once that groove was set up, it was almost maybe Dr. John or Tom Waitsy, kind of in a way, in that kind of homemade percussion sort of thing. I know Tom Waits used to drag chairs across the floor and get people to record that and that sort of thing. So right. I think I was trying to get that kind of vibe going with the groove. Yeah. But, but that works
0: so well with this kind of music because if you think about, again, going back to like that circle of musicians, you run out of drums. Somebody else shows up and they want to play. All right, we'll grab a spaghetti pot out of the out of the kitchen and you just turn it upside down and just bang on that. You know, like it's really the kind of thing where you create the sound and and uh, I think that worked perfectly. But I wanted to ask, am I hearing a bit of a tremolo guitar track on this one too?
1: Absolutely, yes. Um, there was actually another guitar part. Um, which was the main guitar part that the song was built around. Like I said, I tried to have an underpinning guitar part. Mm. So the live version sounds quite different. It's got a, a entirely different part. And that tremolo guitar was really just as a little accoutrement to the main guitar. But once Zev dropped that out, my friend who mixed it, um, that tremolo thing, it just gave the whole song a bit more space. So you've got... a a bass guitar and a a rhythm guitar that's sort of playing a little riff that runs through it but this little tremolo guitar i kind of left the chords nice open and ringing Mm -hmm. um, almost to create kind of an organ sound i guess maybe in the back of my head i was thinking an organ sustain so you just let the tremolo guitar ring out
0: it's funny that you say that because I was going back and forth in my mind wondering whether it was like a Rhodes piano with a, with a trem on it or whether it was a
1: guitar. And I, I finally settled on guitar, but I was back and forth on that for a bit. And so, yeah, that's absolutely, that's definitely what I was going for. I think coming back to the Dr. John sort of thing, it sort of felt you needed a at least a Rhodesy sort of sound in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rhythm of that guitar part just suited the song really well and it. It kind of carried off with, I guess it's the only other song on the album that really has almost a lead guitar running all the way through. On the other side, there's a lead guitar playing single strings while I'm singing too. So that kind of open, loose, warm tremolo sound with that stinging lead on the other side they just kind of it was fire and ice that was kind yeah of nice together
0: like that. Uh, and, it, and it's great and i love that that you didn't overplay that because it seems like most times when a guitar player switches to tremolo or does a track um it's almost like hey look i'm playing tremolo instead of it
1: just being almost like a background filler the way you used it yeah, absolutely and i I think it was, I probably got fortunate with that because I was playing off of the original guitar part that's not in there anymore. Mm -hmm. But you're exactly right. It wasn't, if I'd gone in too gung-ho and thrown it front and center, it could have thrown the whole groove off or at least just gotten too heavy up front for everything else. So it's just sort of it's like it's insidious you know it's there and it's creating an atmosphere which is kind of nice right because typically my response when i hear a guitar
0: player do that is oh look he got a new pedal and he had to put it in a song <laughs> you know? it's like christmas look look what i got Martin. yeah, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> right yeah now go write something with your new gear uh <laughs> now i i love this song and this is one of my favorites too and, and it just has such a great feel and i think that it, what's interesting, too, is I had said earlier that the album sounds very rich and full. And it seems like when you hear a song like this and then the rest of the songs don't have that, it seems like the rest of it would start to feel empty, you know, uh, because you don't have that extra filler in there. But it doesn't.
1: Yeah, that's and that's a very another thing we get up So it ends as sort of a, a blue shuffle mm-hmm. where the drums come in. Um, and that was originally how this song started. The whole thing was just a pumping shuffle with drums all the way through. So that may have been a moment where I thought, "Look, I think that's just going to clash too much with the rest of the album." But once the homemade percussion came in and it went into the drums, particularly with the track that followed after, which was just straight, straight acoustics again. Mm-hmm. Um, i was certainly a bit worried i thought i'm not sure if this is going to work we'll see how it is when it's mastered but no you're absolutely right i I couldn't agree more it it, it's heavy and there's lots of stuff going on but it's not it doesn't stick out like you know it it, it just sort of works in between the acoustic tracks it's weird which is kind of cool exactly and that is a nice
0: build uh, by the way the layer of going from the percussion to the drums uh, because sometimes when you introduce drums, it can be too shocking. It can take you out of the song a little bit. Um, it can make you feel like it's a, it's one of those combos of two songs being put together and, and you've switched to the second song. Uh, but I, I, I felt it was just, it, it felt very organic, which I like.
1: I really appreciate it. It's kind of, a, and it, I think the other thing I liked too was a, repeating the first verse again for that last verse that goes into the shuffle it just sort of built that tension where you think well I've heard this before so what what's going to happen that's different on this and then when the drums come in at the end it's just a little a little sign that something's changing so it kind of worked that symmetry worked out well too which was nice absolutely
2: doctor so what you scream. been having crazy dreams well, i don't feel right it's
0: what you said boy i if you don't know somebody that that you can relate this next track to um <laughs>
2: <laughs> you just need to go
0: on go on facebook or something for a minute um uh talking shit again this one um this one really gripped me musically. It's, it's got such a beautiful guitar sound to it. Um, what what can you tell me about that? Because I, I don't I wasn't able
1: to figure out how you put that together. So this, when I sent it to Zev, was just a double tracked acoustic song. So I'd done uh, for people that don't know double tracking, you just play one guitar part and then you play the exact same thing again. Um, you can do it as many times as you like to get an enormously fat sound, but I sent two tracks off to Z and, um, I got a message back from him saying, I've played around a little with this one. Let me know what you think about it. And I absolutely loved it. There was flanger, phaser, chorus. There's a whole mixture of little things in there. Just this blend of little effects. Um, that almost gives the song, like I'm a big Taj Mahal Raikuda fan, mm. all those kind of roots blues artists yeah. who we went into almost world music. Taj recorded albums with Hawaiian bands, so did Raikuda and Mexican bands. Mm. And they love to go around the world with those sounds. So the the guitar sound almost had a bit of a world music thing to it. There was elements of... like african sounds alifaka toure used to play with similar sort of guitar sounds um and so at first i it just knocked absolutely knocked me out of the park because i always thought it was going to be a very stripped back raw mm. acoustic tune where i'm whinging about people talking shit and then he sort of sent back this beautiful flowing guitars and it was just it was yeah, absolutely perfect
0: yeah i i i'm kind of surprised in a way that there were so many effects on it because I didn't get the feel that it was affected. I, I kind of got the feel like maybe you played it in a different room or something. It it the effects are so subtle that you don't notice there's a flange, for example.
1: Exactly. That was the coolest part was it came back to you and I couldn't I couldn't really put my finger on what had gone on. I just loved the sound of it. Mm-hmm um and so it was it was exactly that it's just enough of a pinch or a pinch of that it doesn't sound like you could go and buy a pedal and get the sound yeah although i wish you could <laughs> like you but you but you can't so it was that it was that very again as you'd know from from your sound expertise it's such an art form within itself that mixing and mastering and yeah what a millisecond of delay here or there can do and it's just those little touches but you're exactly right it's kind of modulated without being overtly modulated Mm -hmm. and it just seems to suit i guess suit the feel and the nature of the song really well which is very fortunate to
0: yeah well uh, my compliments to him on that one because i think that that really uh hit a, a different level for you on this song and and you know with this kind of music the the sound by the time you get to song four or five uh, for me, can tend to get a little bit stale. Okay, it's another acoustic guitar song. Uh, okay, he's using a slide on this one and not on the last one. But it's just so much of the same sound. But I don't get that feeling with this album because each song brings in something that's unique. There's something different about the the guitar sound on each one where it doesn't sound like you just sat there with an acoustic
1: guitar and a microphone and made an album. Exactly. I've, yeah, look, I really appreciate it because that is one of those things where you you definitely think about it. You ask. You've got such a basic set of tools to work with mm-hmm. that is just going to fall into just a homogenous hour long experience. Yeah. Um. And so it, it certainly does worry you. And that is, I guess, that's the funnest thing with recording and sound is that you can suddenly think, well, every little thing can have its own spin. Some of them can be a lot more basic. Some of them can have a little bit bit special going on or a little bit of modulation here or there right um but no it was it was one of those things you were very aware of i don't want the listener to go from this song to that song and go as has the song changed is that or is this the same song i was listening to this track four five or six i can't really tell anymore yeah or which one's your favorite
0: i it was one of the ones in the middle uh you know (laughs) because you you want every song to have a personality and but i mean and, and it's the same with other styles of music i mean rock and roll can get that way and and there's some bands that i listen to i'm like i can't tell one song from another you know yeah. but this this style of music seems to really be kind of advanced in that where it's like you can just get one sound here's my album go go like it and not really know the difference between one song and another
1: it's very true particularly in this i mean it's it's certainly an easier recording experience in that sense, too, that you could just mic up an acoustic guitar, sit there, and then cut song after song after song, mm-hmm. which would be an interesting challenge to, I guess, create enough contrasting compositions that if it's just you and an acoustic guitar, it can retain that interest. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, it's been, it has been really fun with this album to certainly push out there with sounds more than I ever have before. I've almost tried to keep things stripped back and very plain, but this time I just, maybe with the pandemic, more time on your hand, you sort of let the hand break off and think, well, what else can happen here? Yeah, yeah I do feel like sonically this is a very wide-open album. Absolutely, yeah, particularly with the sound palettes, the electric guitar sounds. I I used all sorts of different amps and sounds and pedals and all sorts of things. Um and it was it just even in the recording of it it just makes things a little bit more fresh but a, a different pedal here i'm getting a different reaction when i hit this pedal so it, it kind of re-inspires you within the process of making an album
0: The next song that we have on this one is called Kiss on My Blues. I love that title. Um, I love the foot stomp in this one. It sounds like it's a foot stomp. Um, It really kind of, the song's got a good tempo to it, but that really goes back to that. Everybody's sitting in the circle or sitting on the porch and we're all just having a good time. Somebody's got to keep the tempo. So, you know, this guy over here is going to do it. Uh,
1: But I, I really dig this song. It's very much so, and this was definitely one of the ones where I wanted it to be fairly stripped back, straight blues. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd recorded a foot stomp uh, a few different ways, just on a wooden floor here, Um, but that was another one where Zev came back and said, listen to what I've done with the foot stomps. I'm not quite sure if he mixed his own sound in with it or just gave it a nice treatment, Mm -hmm. but... It really does work. It's it's kind of, it's a heavy footstomp without dominating the track. It just helps propel it along. And then it's probably maybe other than another track at the end of the album, No Friend of Mine, maybe one of the most untreated acoustic guitar parts on the album. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. Just like you said, it's definitely like a backyard Mississippi we sit down and have a jam on a boogie sort of song, which is definitely what I was going for.
0: And I have to wonder if he didn't roll off the attack, maybe a little bit on that foot stomp, because I I don't feel like you're getting the attack, like you're not getting the hit, you're getting the sound of the hit without the actual contact.
1: Isn't it true? You're just getting that whoomp, that sort of whoomp that comes after it, which is so nice. It gives it just kind of a meatier, gutsier sort of feel, which is very cool. It's almost like a muted bass drum. That's it. It's exactly. It's like they've just shoved every blanket they can into that bass drum mm-hmm. and it's just got that killer dead. And that's how it sounding sound in Mississippi. they probably using it. <laughs> 60 year old bass drum that doesn't really work (laughs) and who knows what's in there sort of thing a couple of rats live in there and (laughs) exactly yeah Uh, it's technically a habitat yeah the the
0: other thing i noticed (laughs) about this one and this is another one where i think the subtle bass really works it almost makes it this is such an oxymoron but it it almost makes it stand out more the quieter you try to make it
1: yes exactly and that is exactly it Mm -hmm. it's kind of It is a great lesson in subtlety, even in uh, playing Kiss on My Blues, because it's got, again, that thumping bass pulse I was talking about. I realized I was just playing that song way too hard in every sense with the uh, acoustic guitar. Um, And so I think rolling off the bass drum like that and then me just sort of not attacking the guitar so ferociously Just made it bizarrely hit a bit harder and just really float and groove a little bit better, which was lovely to hear. Yeah.
0: And with the end result being what it is, I certainly can't argue that strategy because I think it came out great. This next song, it, actually, I would have, have, have thought of would have been a ZZ Top title. Uh,
1: <laughs> it, it's called Sex, Drugs, and Cigarettes, which just seems right up their alley. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it does seem like I've taken Billy Gibbons' <laughs> favorite habits, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: this, is a, this is another one where I, I just love the background guitar, and I, I love that you didn't make it the main, the
1: lead guitar, because I think it's more effective being a little bit more subtle absolutely and it's funny you say that because when i initially demoed it and put it together that guitar was right out front and center Mm -hmm. and then you realized as you were working on it i've really got to pull that back and as you pulled it back everything else just sort of opened up within the song um and it just again kind of a, a nice warm sound i was trying to get as much warmth and almost old analogy sounds, as I could at the best of time. So that's a Sex, Drugs and Cigarettes. The guitar on that certainly has that warmth to it, which is lovely. And You know what I've noticed,
0: too, is when you have a guitar player that plays a lot of uh, just in-between licks, you know, little things that, that you would think they wanted that to stand out to make the song more interesting. A lot of times when they put it to the side or they put it in the background, it actually has more meaning Than being in your face. If it's too in your face, it becomes distracting, right? It takes you out of the song. So it's almost better to have it be
1: subtle and just be something that you notice and go, "Ooh, what was that?" Exactly. It just becomes like a nuance within the the song itself, and it's one of those things. If you took it out, it would feel like the song is empty. But just a tiny little sprinkle of it in the right spot, and it, it. it's funny. It is. It is like cooking. All those cooking cliches come up with songwriting all the time for a reason because it is. It's just a sprinkle of this or that can make so much of a difference. Exactly. Uh, and there's a really
0: nice solo on this one too. Uh, it, it felt. It, it didn't feel like it was planned. It felt like it was just very natural. Here's what I'm feeling in the moment, and you just played it.
1: Exactly. Um, a lot of the some of the solos on this album were one or two takes where you love what you've done but you've got to tighten it up a little bit more mm-hmm. this was one of those ones i sat down not really with the intention of cutting a final solo whatsoever and it just came out and you heard it back and you thought i can't really argue with this I, i'm not going to do a better one anyway nice. see that's why you record
0: everything you record your rehearsals you record your writing you record everything because you just
1: never know but isn't it true it's the it's the the first rule again one of the things i learned the hardest way we've done rough takes we've i can't believe i didn't hit the red button for this yeah Exactly. well and i think part of it too is if you're if you're not
0: trying to record if you're just you know well i'll just record in case i come up with an interesting idea i want to listen back to and you don't go into it with the pressure of the red lights on i've got to nail this take i think you're more likely to come out with things that because you're
1: relaxed about it It makes all the difference. I think one of the best things—it almost be impossible—but the best thing in the world to be would be to record an album without knowing (laughs) you've recorded an album. (laughs) Just sort of like just someone's (laughs) been recording what you've done through time, and there's suddenly an album there because you're absolutely right that self-conscious. Oh God, the red lights on, and suddenly the fingers are stiffer. You're not as relaxed, and it's yeah, it's it's psychologically what recording can do is is pretty fascinating <laughs> and it's worse when you're recording a live show you know with the intention
0: of, of releasing some material because not only do you have the pressure of i know the red lights on but now you're doing it in front of an audience and you're trying to be extra perfect and you're not relaxed it's it's a completely different show than it would be until you probably recorded three or four shows
1: in a row and then you're like all right i i'm good with it now exactly Well, we've always said if I ever recorded a live album, I think I'd probably need to do twenty nights or something (laughs) to get close to being happy with it. You know exactly, yeah, that would
0: be quite an experience. Well, maybe what you need to do is is just that, like have somebody record it, like get a a mix from the board, a a multi-track, without knowing that, without you knowing that they're doing
1: that. Exactly, I think that's going to be the only way I'd ever comfortably put out a live album. Absolutely, yeah, the the subconscious sessions, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I heard, uh, is there also a clave on this one? Um, There isn't a clave. There's um, just a whole bunch of uh, percussion instruments in there. Some of them are hand claps. I used to put sort of my hand in strange gloves and hit claves like that. Mm -hmm. A lot of banging drumsticks on bookshelves too. I had a bookshelf that I was just sort of recording different things in the room that sounded fantastic. Um, But again, another one of those tracks, though, not dissimilar to Get Up where there is there's hand claps, there's cowbells, there's there's quite a bit of stuff going on through it all. But you always layer it in gently.
0: Which I like. It, there isn't a single song that I can think of. And, and again, I've only heard it a couple of times, but where it just starts out and everything's there and you're like, wow, I guess I guess we're on the ride now. You know, it, it's everything is sort of introduced and given its own opportunity to be noticed and, and appreciated. Whereas like in, in rock and roll, for example, you would probably just start out. All right, well, I'm just putting the car in gear. And we're going.
1: Yeah. yeah it's so true isn't it it's just it's all pedal to the metal immediately yeah um and particularly when i first started messing around with that multi layered repercussion, percussion you realize how how little you need to make it work yeah i used to get all sorts of tambourines and every sort of thing you just think this is a mess mm-hmm. they get three or four really nicely if they sit into each other and it's they all work with each other well the uh the depth of sound the wall of sound you can make with three or four percussion instruments is pretty phenomenal
0: it is i i find now i used to be one of those people like all right what else can i put in here and now i'm like do i need anything else do i even need all the layers that i have because i might have over recorded this yeah
1: absolutely it's funny you hear about directors having to take their Favorite scenes out of movies because it doesn't work in the movie. And you you often have moments like that where you're sitting like, "I love that part, but I think I take it out. The whole song works better." And it it is one of those moments where it's it is like Jenga. Like, what can I pull out and Mm -hmm. still have this thing hold up as Mm -hmm. is?
0: But but do you find it's difficult at times going from artist to producer and having to, as an artist, go, "But this is my baby," and then as
1: a producer, going, "But you don't need that kid." (laughs) It is the worst part. It is a nightmare. It is. A, I guess it's good to have people to send it to, and they say yes, no, or um, and that's certainly where all your friends and the other pairs of ears come in so handy. Um, but you, I, you couldn't be more right. It is particularly because you've been there from the germination. You knew how hard it was to get that take, mm-hmm. and or whatever it might be. And suddenly you're going to have to jettison it in, in favor of the song. Is it's never a nice experience. No. Yeah,
0: it, you're right. And, and I always go back to the, uh, the old adage of you never proofread your own term paper because your brain already knows what you wrote and it will miss so many things. Like when I when I wrote my first book uh, between my brother and I, we read it 13 times, checking it for spelling errors and grammatical errors and all that sort of thing and put it out went to do the audiobook and when my reader was working through even the first chapter, she's like, Oh, this is wrong. Oh, that's wrong. How do we 13 times, how do we miss this stuff? Well, because we weren't really reading it anymore. And I think when you when you try and produce yourself without some kind of feedback from people you trust, people that aren't just gonna go, Oh my friend, yeah, everything you did was great. Um you your brain does the same thing. It's like you don't hear the tambourine that you put in there anymore because you mixed it in there and it's subtle and you've kind of forgotten it or your brain goes, yeah, I know there's a tambourine. So I think it's really vital to have people that you can go to with a mix or a piece of music that you can trust to
1: to give you valuable feedback. I mean, unquestionably, like okay, the amount of people I know who who are great musicians and can mix and master they've got all the skills but they say oh look I'd never mix my own stuff mm-hmm. or master my own stuff I want that to go through two three four more sets of years so you get yeah. that that well-rounded that well-rounded view particularly when the people have been mixing or mastering or whatever it might be for 30 or 40 years I mean you can't you can't really you know attain that sort of experience or that sort of I guess attunement, you know, Mm -hmm. it it really is an art form, isn't it?
2: It's 2am, we're talking on the phone
0: next up we have a song that i really dig this song uh it's called wheelin it's got such a great dual guitar on this one i think as far as the guitar parts go this is probably one of if not my favorite
1: combinations of guitar tracks unreal very cool to hear that because it is it's I've just started incorporating it live, and it's an absolute ball to play live. Too. Oh, it bad. just works really well. Um, but that was re- like one of the funnest things about this. Because the album had been in the works for a long time, um, a lot of it was pretty much ready to go by the time I sat down. In terms of arrangement, you obviously played with volume or what could come in and out, mm-hmm. but the songs were as is. And that second guitar part, I guess the lead guitar part of the dueling too, that was really sort of improvised almost on the spot. Wow! Um, we just sort of played around with it, and it just it just sort of worked. The melodies came really quickly. So in that sense, it was very fun. It was one of the most jamming esque sort of songs on the album, as much as you can if you're doing it yourself. Right. But it was. It was just kind of it was very in the moment the second guitar part happened really quickly. And I guess it's one of those things when it does happen that easy and it feels right, you just don't really argue with it. You just think, well, the, the song's telling me what I need to be playing here, so I'll just, I'll just do what I'm told, yeah.
0: And that's probably one of the things that attracts me to the song is because I love that organic, things-just-come-together kind of feel because I feel... You can tell when a song is is strategic, you can tell when a song is overproduced, and there's just something that really draws me to that. I guess that honesty, you know, where it's just like, this just happened, the muse was in the room,
1: she was sprinkling dust everywhere, and you were breathing it in. Exactly, because you're trying to catch that expression, hey, and it's that sort of moment where when you get that recording where it feels like you've caught that, you've not caught someone necessarily hitting their marks, but you've caught someone in the moment it's that initial reaction to the music it's got that fire to it it's um it was yeah very very fun to do in that sense because it was you just sort of particularly because everything you, you're rehearsing you're trying to get tight as possible before you record mm-hmm. so it was so nice just to roll in and feel inspired in the moment and the track comes out it's it's a yeah a lot more free time
0: the only problem with tracks like that is they're the ones that you spend the least time on because they're like so enjoyable to do but you spend the least time because you don't need to go any further with it
1: it's very true isn't it yeah it's a uh time flies it's definitely time flies when you're having fun there yeah (laughs) for sure But i mean you just you don't need to figure out things it just comes
0: together and and uh it's like well i got that done quick and i was having fun and now it's just over (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, yeah It's got that feel to it Mm -hmm.
2: You couldn't take no more You walked out That hour was old news You left a pack of cigarettes Your polka dot dressing And red shoes I heard a suitcase go, Your yeah, high heels echo, I heard a car stop. Uh,
0: our next song on the album, and uh, this, is, this is another one that I have to say, like, it, it's just a great travel song. And it, it's called Taste Your Lips. But it's another one, like, I could just get in the car, put it on, and be like, how quickly can I be on the highway? Because that's where I need to be right now.
1: It's got that role to it, and it's not, it's not even that it's a fast song or it's like a pumping, driving highway song, but it, it just has that. It's a great cruising song. Get in yeah. the car and go for it. It still just works perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I guess, a bit of a departure, maybe the closest thing to a ballad on the album, if you like, or if you were going to have a ballad on the album. But it, it's kind of a, a jammy, a slower thing. Um, when I Zeve and I were working on it together, he said he got a very Pink Floyd-esque sort of feel out of it. Um, but I almost pictured uh, Hendrix when I was a, first recording it, kind of loose and open, mm-hmm. the drums come in for the chorus, there's loose kind of esoteric guitar coming in from other sides. Um, but that's certainly been one of the most enjoyable to do. Um, and that was one of those songs that really... I almost did just acoustic. It sits there as a solo acoustic piece, okay. Mm-hmm. But once you started to get some of the deeper guitar sounds in, there's some slide guitar that comes into it, um, and then the bass and the drums just seem to fit. They weren't too heavy. Yeah. Um, it, um, yeah, it was a, certainly one of my favourite ones to do and listen back to. Yeah. This is another one where I, I love the snare sound on it,
0: uh, oh. but but I'll tell you the. The impression I get, and and even though I'm an audio guy, I, I, I can be like a very visual person as well. And there's something different about the way that the sun sets in the autumn. There's a different glow that spreads across the land as the sun goes down. There's just a different feel than like a summer sunset or a winter sunset. And I definitely feel... Um, I was actually listening uh, on my way back from Phoenix last year around this time, and I was doing—I uh, was listening to an album by Roger Glover. It was a solo album uh, for the first time, and I was getting ready to do a review of it. And uh, it, it got here like two days before I had to leave, so it was really perfect. But it was a similar album. There was a lot of acoustics on it. And as I'm driving back, I said, "Oh, I better hurry up and listen to this because I'm like three hours away from home." And it was just at the time that the sun was starting to set, and I'm seeing longer shadows, and and you know just that golden feel in the sky that's the feeling i get out of this song when i think about you know being in the car and driving down the road it's not just driving down the road at any time it's driving down the road as the sun is starting to set and there's that just golden air about everything
1: it's that's uh, yeah that's lovely to hear because it does have that i get a very relaxed warm feel out of it. Mm-hmm. I mean I guess the lyrics are almost it's kind of like breakup lyrics I guess in a way but it, it, the song itself does give off that warmth it could almost work as an instrumental um, yeah. and really give you that sort of glow feeling to it. Yeah, um, but no that. it was very cool it kind of i i, I yeah i really like that I could, I could definitely see it as like sort of a sunset, autumn sunset sort mm-hmm. of song yeah it's yeah, very
2: pretty
0: yeah this is this is definitely the one that that hit me with the strongest visual out of everything i mean you know i get little little flashes of things here and there with with most things i hear but there are some songs that just right away i go to this you know it's not the end of the summer it's autumn there's a big difference between those two things and it just dialed right into that so th- this again probably is going to be my favorite song or one of my favorite songs on the album just
1: just for that visual alone uh so thank you <laughs> hey, no worries it was yeah again a very fun one sort of yeah i'm glad you've dug it it's got that um i'm glad it came out the way it did yeah it's mm-hmm. it's i guess different in the album in that it goes between that dynamic shift between having quite airy and light verses mm-hmm a groove comes in for the chorus, airy and light. So you've got that, got that feel to it. It's a little bit of a departure for the album.
2: Shell fed fatty, she got a house with no bills, but she don't do nothing. It just says.
0: i would say if there's uh the closest thing maybe to a party song or just a fun kind of jam uh would be this this next one a hundred dollar bills hundred dollar bills is what it's called um this just has like i'm not a person who dances by any means but i am a drummer so i have that physical rhythm side to me i just kind of want to like pick up something and bang on it while i'm you know not bang on it but like play along to it you know it
1: it gives me like a physical purpose when i listen to it (laughs) it's very i felt the exact same impulse because if you listen to the song there's three percussion instruments on and that was it Mm -hmm. that's sort of like a a pumping bass drum that goes through it, and everything was going but when I was figuring out how I was going to work the rhythm track, I had tambourines, cowbells, there, a little wood block, and it just became it's what you want to do. You just wanted to pick up instruments and play. Even the uh, guitar parts felt very like that. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. Everything was set as far as the progression was going with the acoustic guitar and the bass. So all the other guitar parts, you just felt. You just wanted to bang on it. You just wanted to add another chunky layer of rhythm into the tune. So yeah. I'm glad you got that pumping vibe too.
0: Oh, definitely. And and the guitars really added to the rhythmic side of things too. I mean, they're melodic. You've got your you know your your melody, but I really felt a lot more rhythm in the guitars as well. And I think it might have just been your playing style. Maybe you were were hitting a little bit harder on this one.
1: Absolutely, I was, and it was. Um, I actually used a thicker pick. I, I tend to use medium picks, but I got a little bit of a heavier pick um for just really driving it because this song the rhythm guitar part was working but as soon as i put that pick in you could almost hit lighter Mm
2: -hmm.
1: with your hand but get more attack it felt like there was just a bit more presence in the track to it yeah let the Um, weight
0: and the thickness of the pick do the work for
1: you exactly Mm -hmm. exactly
0: yeah great song Probably the the moodiest song I would say on the album is uh, is the next one tomorrow night. Now we're hitting now we're passing. Absolutely. So there's 15 tracks on the album. This is track 10. So we're a ways in. We've kind of established the the feeling and the and the the overall uh, emotion of the album. But this one
1: really kind of changed direction of it for me. It was it was even probably moodier when i demoed it too it was e- drenched in even more reverb it's a song that has a lot of reverb a lot of space going on um i was probably initially inspired by sort of raikuda old blues songs where there's it's almost spooky to listen to in a way there's lots of reverb but it's just an acoustic guitar you hear the slide smack up against the neck of the wood of the guitar and all of that sort of thing yeah um and it was it was just almost i guess came from a point of humor in terms of lyrics you're just sort of throwing with a whole bunch of bad situations or things you'd rather not do and say yeah well maybe tomorrow night maybe not not tonight right but absolutely and i kind of liked the fact i think that the song had that almost had like a light aspect to the lyrics but quite a dark I guess the other side to the Mississippi Delta, when you're there at midnight when Robert Johnson supposedly sold his soul to the devil at the crossroads, mm-hmm. Mississippi's very spooky at night, driving around, sort the two-lane highways, almost no lights going on, the gravel roads everywhere. So I think I was probably trying to channel a little bit of that feel into this too, particularly because yeah. it's one of the straighter blues songs on the album, I guess, in terms mm-hmm. of progression anyway, so... Yeah, definitely channeled that darker delta vibe for it. it the music definitely does seem a little bit um,
0: subdued to the to the vocal on this one, whereas I think there's there's a good combination. But it seems like the story was a little bit more important, and the the music was really there just to be supportive
1: on this one. Absolutely, I mean, in terms of guitar parts, this was probably the simplest off the top of my head just yeah. to play and learn and get ready for the album it was more of a basic blues part. So you're right. I think it did more become about the delivery of the words, the words themselves and just how it all worked, which just led to stripping those guitars again, just a two guitar track, really a little duet behind the vocals. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I would be curious to hear the the demo and because I think that having this really saturated in reverb could bring out a really haunting quality to it. But I think Again, there's that audio engineer brain of mine going, but would it work in continuity with the album? Because I think it would It would take me out of the flow of the album a little bit because the other songs don't have that reverb wash to them. I mean, they feel very natural, like I'm in the room with you, not we added reverb to make it sound like I, you were in the room with me.
1: Uh, exactly, exactly. But the reverb particularly in that track, almost becomes an instrument, if you know what I mean. It's almost mm-hmm. like it's kind of a tool within the song, but it definitely is almost like Taste Your Lips in a way in that it's a slower song on Mississippi Bound in that it's a bit of a scar tune. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow Night is a bit of a departure in that and yeah. that it's kind of, it's it could almost fit on a darker blues album entirely itself. It could almost sort of be part of another stack of songs, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool, Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, I like it. next track is uh this is a little bit ironic for me because it's called down the road but i did not feel like getting in the car and traveling on this one it made me just kind of want to sit there and tap my foot a little bit it's a little bit lighter and bouncier than the rest of the album
1: it is it's kind of got say uh probably the closest thing to an instrumental there are some lyrics at the end but i'm just saying down the road until the end basically Mm -hmm. almost like a I guess there was kind of a gospel edge to it when I initially started making it, it's just Mm. got basic tambourine that come down on two and four with occasional fills here or there. Yeah. Um, and then two acoustic guitars playing off one another. So it almost had a, a, kind of a a gospel thing in that you have that repetitive word at the end over the top of the chords as they happen. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was definitely, you're right, it's kind of a bouncy, maybe blues. There is a kind of a blues progression. It does have yeah. a one, four, five thing, but it's, yeah, you're absolutely, it's kind of a foot tapper. You do sit there and you bounce along to it. Yeah. Um, and it's a little bit different. You kind of get lost in the guitars. And it was the, one of the few songs I really worried about those interplay between the guitars. Mm. I've got one that's a little bit lower playing what might be considered the main melody and then I made a little another guitar at the top that plays kind of rhythmic uh punctuation just to propel the thing along with um with the tambourines on the side but it was um yeah again another little departure I kind of like that very southern influence sort of hearing all those upbeat gospel songs spilling mm-hmm. out of churches down here yeah,
0: yeah I was going to say it has a little bit more I think of a Nashville quality to it than what I would expect to hear in Mississippi but i could i could also hear uh like a jazz band playing this and doing you know kind of their own version of it i think that that would suit this song well but i think honestly the key to this one in what you're saying and being concerned about the guitars is the balance
1: yeah yeah absolutely particularly between the two of them it's I did worry about it quite a bit, and I did have to tailor the second guitar part just to fit in really well. Mm -hmm. Um, And like you said there, which was very true, I could absolutely hear a jazz band playing it, and it was very inspired by the second line funeral band you hear down here where um, I guess in funk music, the general school was... You land on the one really heavy. You'll hear James Brown or Bootsy Collins say, mm-hmm. We all land on the first beat of the bar, and then we get as funky as we can in between. So we all smack back down on the one. Right. And this, uh, it, in New Orleans anyway, the funk sort of happens on the four and. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like a one, two, three, four and. Mm-hmm. It's always leading. exactly the whole thing sort of rolls yeah and that's really where the initial inspiration for this song came from was um kind of thinking of the main melody as a bit of a horn line and then my bass guitar strings as being the tuba and the sousaphone underneath sort of bumping along but everything's sort of just off the beat so it was very sort of gospel jazz band influence yeah
0: that's so interesting now that you say that i could definitely pick that out i thought there's something different about this, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And
1: now that you say that, yeah, that that absolutely makes sense. Unreal, yeah, it does. It's probably, yeah, in that way, one of the most overtly New Orleans-influenced tracks down here, for sure, yeah.
2: Reclining low some summer sun, boats passing by. Here come another one with some brunettes, some blondes, some friends hanging in the heat.
0: For our for the next song on the album, um this I, I have to say you picked the perfect tempo for it and listening to the lyrics and i'm not a big lyric guy but every once in a while lyrics because i i find the voice i think of it more as an instrument it's making sounds like a guitar or a piano but every once in a while words will cut through and this just sounds like an absolutely perfect day to me a day like i would love to have this day and relive it over and over and it's called slow down um was this based on experience or something you want or where did this one come
1: from so it absolutely was. Um, in 2018, I believe, yes, 2018, I went to Canada for the first time to tour and play, hmm. um, and I stayed uh, with some friends who live um, right on a, a little uh, lake there or an inlet for a lake. They're right near a lock station, actually. Okay. Um, and so we used to have boats. As I stayed there in a little cabin by the water and you'd be practising you'd have boats come by and as they they come too fast because you're in a slow little laneway basically and so there was the guy who ran the house would always come out and say slow down slow down slow down and then as the trip progressed we had uh the in montreal they had their two-week holiday from montreal Mm. so all these boats would be coming through with absolutely gorgeous french canadian women in bikinis like stretched out all the front of the boat Mm -hmm. so everyone was telling him to slow down no no you don't have to go so fast you could take as slow as you need (laughs) to down here and so uh, my friend who I was staying with there Denis just kept saying look you've got to write this down this is this is a song waiting to happen he's talking about slowing down so talk about the boats coming past Mm -hmm. then you could talk about the beautiful French Canadian women coming by and then turn it into a song about a woman who's getting too pushy and you needed to slow everything down. So it literally was, it just sort of wrote itself up in a summer in Canada. And um, wow. I fortunately just had a little uh, blues melody that I be, had been sitting on my phone for a while. Mm. And so you had the basic lyrics and you just sat down with it and it it fit a little bit of chopping and changing here or there and um, yeah the song came together which is very cool that's awesome
0: uh i i often when i'm out and about i'll come up with a rhythm or a melody and i'll you know put it into my my phone recorder and i was thinking not too long ago back when you know when i worked in a music store and i i thought about you know i had a four track and i thought you know the, now there's eight tracks and 16 tracks and Roland released the VS880 and you know, you can expand it and all these things that we could do. If you would have told me back then, hey, in about 15, 20 years, we're going to be doing this on our phone, I would have said you were dreaming.
1: <laughs> We've come so far. Because I see like, I see people who are like you or me in like the supermarket. Who are, they've obviously got an idea and they're sort of down at the frozen and food section, sort of humming melodies or lyrics into the end of their phone. Mm-hmm. I go, yeah, I know. But what a dream. I yeah. can't imagine what it must have been like. You know, to grow up as a musician, like the 50s or 60s, where you literally had, you didn't even have like a little home tape recorder you could have recorded on. Right. So
0: Well, yeah. I, I was visiting my my family in Michigan one time, and this is when I was living in Colorado. So it's about a 26-hour drive from Colorado Springs to the Detroit area. And while I was at my grandmother, she had a, an upright piano in her front room, and I was playing around in it one night, and I came up with this melody. And I, I really liked it. I thought I, I can do something with this. Like, this is a keeper I had no way to record it. And so every, every like couple hours I would go sit at the piano and play it. So I was trying to get that, you know, that residual physical memory of it all the way home every hour. I would stop listening to whatever, you know, tape or whatever I was listening to. And, uh, I would hum the melody. And I would kind of tap it out on the steering wheel with my fingers like, oh, and as soon as I got home, didn't take the luggage out of the car, didn't do anything, just walked right in, turned on my studio
1: and recorded it and went, thank God. Uh, <laughs> I I love, I love stories like that. And I mean, that feeling, it's hard to describe that euphoria of yeah. that feeling to people of just having got it down. Yeah. It didn't it, get it's away just from Just that
0: release <laughs> You know, it was it was amazing. So when I think about it now, I'm like, oh, all I had to do is sing it into my phone. Like just just that. Con- well, the concept of driving across the country with no phone in the car and, you know, a, you know, no GPS and, and, you know, a couple hundred bucks in my pocket, not even a credit card. Like That is so foreign to me now.
1: It's that's, that's just unbelievable how quickly things have. Yeah
0: moved along like and, that and how dependent well, exactly how many yeah. people could even fold one of those maps now let alone you know, know how to read it and get somewhere
1: yeah exactly it's funny i've got where i grew up there were so many surfers who were also musicians mm-hmm. and they said what it used to be like in the 60s and 70s we'd be out there on a perfect day we'd have got a good spot in the lineup with catching waves mm-hmm. and you get a song idea and you like you, you fight it and you sit there and you a bit. You have to catch a wave in, dry off, drive home, get it onto something and then drive back to the beach and hope you, the waves aren't gone or the wind's not blown up and all of that so, Well it's
0: yeah. kind of it's kind of metaphorical though. I mean, really because we're we're catching waves of ideas before they're gone. You know, before they diminish and the, maybe you forgot some of the notes or you forgot half the melody and it's just not all there anymore. Just like the waves lose power. Um it's Absolutely. yeah, it's it's such a fascinating thank god we live in the times that we do I, I can appreciate that more when i think about those moments but uh how many things have been lost
1: over the years just because of not having the means to do it oh, oh i mean watching now people plug their guitar into their phones yeah towards i've got an idea and i just plugged their guitar into their phone <laughs> and recording you think like, oh my god i know it's crazy yeah.
2: You don't know what you do when trading eyes all day. You don't know what you do when making all them plays. You don't know what you do when you slide.
0: Our next song was the the original single that got released, Sweet and Low. Um, you guys can check out our whole episode on this show, uh, episode 252. I'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. Uh, I, I still love the song as much as I did the first time I heard it. And that was my introduction to you as an artist. And I just thought, wow, this guy's good. He's going to make a really good album. So thank you for, for making me write. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but thank you for the thank you for the belief that's huge yeah no thank you very much
0: If if there's a song title that I think everybody can relate to on this album, it would be this one because it is called No Friend of Mine. And whatever that means to you, whether it's there's somebody that you thought was going to be a friend and it turned out that they just got to know you to use you or to get to know you to backstab you because of something you did to some other friend or whatever it is. There's always somebody, especially now in the world of social media, that comes into your life where you're like, nope,
1: <laughs> I'm just done with you. <laughs> kryptonite, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very true. Yeah. It's, um, and almost uh, not dissimilar to tomorrow night something about those lyrics because it's quite a lilting song no friend of mine Mm -hmm. it's got quite a sort of a jumpy almost old jazz sort of progression to it um but i just love the way those lyrics were against it they were just sort of it just sort of worked they were backbitey enough along with the lilting upbeat guitar it really worked but i'm glad you could i'm glad you could relate to it because there is some i'm hoping someone can always find a little something in there to drag out of the tune yeah
0: oh for sure sure. and and i could tell that this was another one where the lyric was a little more important because again i kind of feel like the music is backed off a little bit to allow for the story to be told it's like just the right balance for you to say there's music here
1: and you should check it out but first let me tell you a story (laughs) (laughs) it's it's absolutely true i think it is might be wrong but i think it's the most stripped back one on the album i think it's just vocals and acoustic guitar so Mm -hmm. it was it was definitely a time where you you certainly didn't want any um any lyrics to be misheard i suppose yeah
0: yeah for sure it's definitely storytelling music i'll I'll put it that way
2: There goes
0: your stuff up a layer. And our, our last one and this this was kind of um, when I was going through the, the titles um, really struck me because I thought this this title is really a lot more it, it, it sounds a lot more aggressive than the rest of the album. but when I listened to the music, the music just has this beautiful blend of notes. Uh, the drums are very powerful but yet you found a way to to make the drums powerful without them being overbearing without it being like okay this is the last song let's go out with a bang and really push the drums in your face i don't know how you guys between you and your engineer how you found that balance but i don't know that i could have found that i think it's fantastic
1: thank you so much for saying and it was Probably what I sweated on on that song more than anything else, mm-hmm. um, because the idea when I first sat down to do the drums for it, there were hats on it. it was I just sat down and played a, a basic conventional beat to see how it would sound with it, and you immediately went, "Well, this is way too heavy." So I pulled the hat straight away um, in terms of anything constant or tapping through the tune. Mm -hmm. um and the snare came out pretty quickly you realized that you probably just wanted to hit the rim here um or or maybe even sometimes the side of the drum Mm -hmm. just to get some of those kind of clickier sounds um because for a little bit i was going to double track the acoustic guitar or maybe bring another supplemental part into beef up the acoustic Mm -hmm. but you're quite right i just thought no what i probably need to do is gut the rhythm part a little bit because everything else is i mean there's bass in there but like you said the bass is very subtle in that song you can just about make it out every now and then um so it did it just ended up becoming flams on the rim of the uh, snare Mm -hmm. um and the bass drum occasionally the bell of the ride symbol or just one of the symbols you'd tap for little Um, but i even then i never outright hit a symbol on the song so it just became about dialing everything back going right back to first gear on the kit and seeing what could work and how it would work as is yeah and now for for the listeners
0: who aren't percussionists a flam is when you have you know you have your two sticks you hit them slightly off from each other so you have your your hit that's going to be right on the beat or or you know pretty close to the beat and then you have one that's a gentler hit just before it and that creates that flam sound so it's like two hits that are very close together but not exactly at the same time um it's something that's done a lot in jazz especially um can be done as as an accent in in rock and roll and various other forms of music it's something i it was one of the earliest things i learned to do as a drummer so i'm that's one i'm kind of partial to but it's it, I, it sounds like you also played it again towards the rim and not not towards the beef of the head because they don't sound very beefy or bottom endy they sound more clicky than they do uh beat you know like
1: a normal snare hit exactly (laughs) very very towards the edge right on the rim Mm -hmm. um and also i've always been a big fan of really light drum sticks um i've uh, used peter erskine's ride stick which almost doesn't have anything on the end of the stick it gets right there and it's very light so if you a nice light touch a light flam or just a light hit um it just suddenly let the song It was like he just took this whole muddiness or big fat blob out of the, middle of the song and it suddenly just started to float with that little thing it still propelled it and you still had that click on the two and the four mm-hmm. um but it was it was just a a little bit and i think the flam too like you were saying it's it's just sort of it's almost a little bit lighter than the straight hit mm-hmm. and it kind of gave it a nice looseness some of the flams i tried to go in loose as i could anyway and try and try and make it sound i guess a bit bit sloppy Mm -hmm. um and it just kind of suited the song down yeah
0: it does have a very human feel to it which which i like it doesn't sound like you you had to adjust everything to get on that click it sounds like you just sat down and you played it and you go that's what it's going to be whatever i'm playing on this take is what it's going to be
1: that's it yeah the whole song it, it just felt nice with kind of a raw thing even the um in the verses there's a kind of not a time change, so to speak, but they just accent in a, in different places than you usually would. There was almost yeah. a not a Zeppelin esque thing, but something a little bit more rockier in terms mm. of attitude, I guess. There's a little bit more of kind of a rock and roll, acoustic blues thing in there for sure.
0: The other note that that I wrote down about this song, which I found just an interesting thing to say, because the song it's not a huge sounding song. It's not. It doesn't have an epic you know, crescendo or anything to it, it's not very bassy, you know, there's nothing specific that I can say why it makes me feel like this. But I feel this song in my belly, like in my core, there's something about this that really cuts through and hits me in a different way than the rest of the album does. But I can't, even now, I can't put my finger on what it is or
1: why. I just know that that's the feeling it's giving me and i'm exactly the same i don't know if it's uh if there was more aggression in it when i recorded i don't know if it caught caught me in a certain moment at time where it carried a little bit more weight because you're absolutely right you certainly couldn't put your finger on it regarding instrumentation or a particular sound or um i mean the bass is quite punchy the bass drum's quite punchy i should say but it's um, it's certainly not giving it that. I mean, it, maybe it was just kind of the air of the song you're in the sort of the the George Floyd era. Maybe it was kind of that 2020 pandemic. Maybe it was kind mm-hmm. of that, that coming in, that anti, you know, that anti police thing that was around it. But, um, it was sort of, it just had a kind of, um, it's, it's got an edge to it. There's it just definitely an edge to a song on there that doesn't have, there's no echoes of it anywhere else on the album, and it's just it's just right at the end. There's just a big fat full stop at the end of the right. album. But, but it yeah. bothers
0: me that I can't figure out why, you know, why it's giving me that feeling. Because, like you yeah. said, it's it's not an EQ thing, it's not an instrumental thing, it, it's not a tempo. I, I don't know why, but there's something about it. Maybe there's just that that colder intention because of that, you know, political vibe to it. I don't know. But if you ever figure it out you've got to tell me like you
1: just have to call me and let me know. Here's what it is. <laughs> so I, I, can I <laughs> will do. I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely with you. Cause it is, there's a, there's something intangible to it that I can't put my finger on. And maybe, maybe it is intent. Maybe, maybe we'll try to get back to psychological intent when you're doing the song or something. But yeah, no, I will do. Absolutely. If I stumble a- across the key, I'll let you know. Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm very
0: excited that you were able to get this album out. I, I know how, how excited you are when we spoke last time. And you really carried that energy going into it. I mean, it's 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 not a boring album. It's not an album that I would say, well, yeah, give it a spin. I mean, it's an album I could say, even though again, this is not typically my genre of music, I would pull this album out and listen to it. You know, it, it's one that I really enjoy. So, thank you very much for for all the effort that you put into it and getting it done and making it what it is. Because I think if people give it a chance, I think they'll take to
1: it. Um, that's very sweet of you to say, mate, I really appreciate it. It's, um, it does feel good. It feels good to have it out and it feels good to, yeah, to know it's getting that sort of reaction. I'm glad yeah. there's enough variety for everyone to dip their toes in anyway, which would be very Oh, great. for sure. And
0: especially for you guys that are are watching the YouTube version of this podcast where I'm not playing the clips, uh, go to the link, check it out, you know, just go to, to Apple music or wherever you, you know, you check out music and listen to some of the clips um, I'm pretty sure there's something that's going to draw you in because the, the songs, they just have something that makes you want to know what's going on. Even if you just listened. Cause I, at first I, I tried to do that. I'm like, well, let me just spot each song. I'll just pick some random spot in the middle and listen to a few seconds. And every one of them I'm like, all right, but what happens next? <laughs> you know, there was something about each one of them that made me want to do that. So, uh, for, for somebody who has a, a particularly picky and jaded ear, that says a lot for, <laughs> for me as a, as a listener, um, so I, I'm sure that that, like I said, if people just take a few minutes and give it a chance, I'm, I'm sure that you're going to find some enjoyment here. So do that. Click on the link, uh, go check it out, buy the album, and then uh, let us
1: know what you think. So I really appreciate it, Matt. I, I absolutely love that. So yeah, you're getting those sort of vibes off it. It's very cool. Excellent. Well, thank you for for
0: joining me for this marathon podcast. <laughs> hey, no, very cool. Yeah, anytime, mate. I love it. I think we I think we covered it all. <laughs> you got it definitely come back and see us again i wish you great success have a great time over in australia you'll be over there here pretty soon uh you know let people know where when when and where you're playing i've got a few friends over in australia so you know of course everybody's so spread out over there because it's just that's how australia is everything's like you know you don't live close to anything it's 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 going to be a trek uh but one worth it so uh definitely keep us posted good luck with the album i'm wishing you the absolute best of success my friend
1: it's so easy thanks so much for having me on scott i really appreciate it man you bet we'll do this again absolutely will do Matt.
0: cheers